Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. All right, welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm your host, Jay Stevens. We've got with us today, uh, Evan Stofflett. Good to be here again, as always. i got to think of something new to say at the beginning, though, so <laughs> I'll start working on that this week. Yeah, just uh, study some other co-host moves. Yeah. And if works. you're going to study that, I should probably study. I should learn some actual host moves. <laughs> <laughs> Might help. Uh, today we're going to do kind of a, uh, we're, we're going to do a couple parts of a, of a theme. And because I'm getting, I'm getting, I get a lot of feedback, and it's funny, I get... The thing I get asked more and more and more is, um, one, why do I have to send my kid away to play hockey? How do I know if they're ready? What age is, is the best age? And where do I send them? And what, how old were you when you left your parents to play hockey? So I kind of had, a, I guess, a buffer when um, my dad got transferred out to Salt Lake. I was out here for 7th and 8th grade, and then I went back to Wisconsin to live with my grandparents for two years. So it was kind of half in, half out, where I still had a lot of family around. But then uh, when I was 16, I went on my own to start playing junior. So maybe that two-year tryout period okay. was kind of on my own a bit, but I still had a lot of supervision that my family knew. All right. Uh, we, we brought in a, a, a very special guest, uh, Angelo Ricci. Angelo, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm here. How are you? I'm good, man. I, I, I can't thank you enough for taking time to, to be on the show. So you are in Philadelphia right now? Yeah, we just got done with practice. Um, uh, we played in Washington tomorrow, so it's um, we're excited. Um, and yeah, I'm in, I'm in Philly right now, though. It's snowing, actually. Oh, <laughs> so, oh yeah, yeah. I just saw all the stuff of the cold front coming in, and the it's going to be blast. the Arctic blast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what are, what's your role with the Flyers now? Well, I'm actually, uh, they hired me, I got hired by Elaine Vigneault and Chuck Fletcher this summer as their skills coach for the NHL team, and, and I'll work with Lehigh, their minor league team as well at times. Um, so I'm uh, enjoying that. I, you know, I was a consultant with Buffalo for about almost five years before, and I've been working with, like, you know, NHL guys, pro guys for a long, long time, since about 2003. Right. So it's just real, it's just come to a whole other level now in terms of the training and what the guys put in off the ice and the off, and then now... You know, hockey was really far behind in terms of hiring guys like specialty-type coaches because football, basketball, baseball, they all had those, and now hockey's finally starting to get it. And uh, I think within the next five years, every team's going to have a, you know one or two skills coaches within their organization for sure. Yeah, it seems like it's taken hockey a long time to catch on to that because you're right, and maybe it is because the NFL has endless money. But, they, <laughs> exactly. they, you know, they've got like – you know, everybody has a special coach. Then plus, they have like two of the psychologists on board, and so right, right. And whatever they can do to hopefully, you know, eke out one more win, they're willing to do. Well, and hockey, you're just yeah. kind of on your own. Yeah, it's all about competitive advantage. I'm learning it, and I'm learning a lot. It's actually really incredible experience. And you know, when you're doing something the same thing for so long, and, and you try to change it up to to come into this environment and work with Mike Michel Therrien, Mike Yo, Ian Laperriere. You know, Elaine Vigneault, you know, it's really, uh, and then even Scott Gordon in, in the minor league, he's a really good coach. 
so it's just it's great to, to collaborate with these guys and our development staff as well, the player development staff. So it's you learn a lot, and I'm learning a lot of the scientific side of stuff, uh, the approach of training too. So it's pretty interesting. That is interesting. In fact, we could d- dedicate a whole show just to learning about that. But what, <laughs> oh, you could. <laughs> the funny thing that the the reason we brought you in is is kind of a we're we're kind of going back on your history here. Um, you were yep. with the Colorado Thunderbirds, correct? Well, well, they're still my program. Yes, I'm still the executive director, and I, I help when when I'm back in town because I fly back and forth a lot. So I, I, I'm a lot. I'm still helping the Thunderbirds all the time. They're my program. So yeah, that will never go away. Oh wow, I didn't know you. Were st- okay, so that that makes sense. Um, so that's why I wanted you on the show, and is because you're the other aspect of it. I, I can talk a little bit about how we tried to get kids ready, and uh, you know. For for my part, I always look to see if the kid was skill ready. Like, okay, is this kid good enough to get out of Utah? And then he, when he was, I would start texting people that I knew through my Shattuck connections. And then, you know, you're like a, it's like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. You're Shattuck, <laughs> with Shattuck being Kevin Bacon, you were you were one of my degrees from Kevin Bacon. So I like I would. You know, I would text Jordan, or I would text Zach Breezy, or you know, I'd text those guys, and uh, that's how I find out, like, start getting players on on your radar, uh, or, and then your role there, you were kind of, was there a while that you were like Joe Sackick's boss, Adam Foote's boss? <laughs> we had an incredible staff there. We had uh, <laughs> Ken, Ken Klee, you know, Milan Hayduk, Jan Hayda, Pierre Tarjan, Joe Sackick, Adam Foote, uh, Ken Klee. Uh, wow, there was just yeah, tons of guys. It was uh, even Curtis' decision before they went up and then uh, moved back to Canada to get his kid in the dub and stuff. So we've been fortunate to have those uh, guys around. And, and um, yeah, I mean, yeah. So Joe worked for me a little. No, I'm just kidding. But Joe's a Joe's a great guy, and, and he really um, he's you know he believes in skill development big time. So it's uh, it's it's really um, it's neat to see. And and Joe's and I are in the same. And not just Joe, but Adam, Pierre. We're all in the same belief. You know that your kids don't need to leave home unless they're absolutely ready, and there's nothing left for them in terms of their development side. If if, if they have an opportunity, to, like it was my program, if they're going to come to my program, we're going to take a kid on the 16 team if they're a top six forward, if they're a top two or two or three demon, if they're number one goalie, because there's no reason for me to take an out of town kid to fill in, you know, a third fourth line role or a four or five six defenseman. To me, okay, because that's actually one of the questions. I don't mean to cut yeah. you off, but that's actually one yeah, of the questions no, no. that we get all the time. Is is all right? So I have a kid that's that's pretty good here, and we think right. we think he's good. And uh, is there a benefit to him staying here? All right, say so you look at him; he's going to be a third or fourth line guy. And would you'd rather see him stay here and develop as a first line guy, and like say double A as opposed to coming to you and develop in practice well, and be a third or fourth line guy? No, no, no. I mean, not here's what I would say. A young man like that might have other options. Like if he didn't make the Thunderbirds, he might be able to make another tier one program in our state, right? So there's other options where he could potentially make their roster and be a top six guy, right? Or a top defenseman. But if you're looking at our program strictly, the Thunderbirds, I think I would weigh that option. And, and if he was uh, eligible to play 15s, but he was a 16, you know, he tried out for 16, we would maybe talk about playing on the 15 team. I think you just got to see – what I would do with, with you know with kids we're really interested in that are from out of town where I've been contacted on I like to get them to you know come to Colorado before tryouts just so I can get to know them a little or, or our staff can get to know them also get to see them interact with the players because it's not just about the playing ability that stuff comes along 
It's all about interacting with new teammates, a new environment, the social side, the athletic side, the academic side. There's so many factors that play into us taking a player and also the family committing to come to us and, you know, having a comfortable home, a billet family and an academic situation. So there's so many factors that you look at with these young men. Um, you know, like Dylan Gambrell, for example, we didn't know who he was. I got a call ages ago. Um, that Pierre Turgeon was coach with me that year. And like literally after one tryout, he had like four or five goals. We're like, who is this kid? We kept watching him. And after the second trial, we offered him a spot and we said, like, you need to come, you know, like you, and obviously he just became a, you know, now he's in the NHL with San Jose, but, but it's just neat how you find gems like that. Right. And, yeah. and I don't, and I don't recommend young kids to leave home if they have stuff in their backyard. Um, but like if you're in Seattle right now, there's not a lot going on, like in terms of midget AAA. Um, I'm sure it's going to happen now with the team going there in a couple of years. You know, Utah, it depends all the areas, what they have to offer too, right? Uh, um, and the key is, you know, you're going to get better in practice, and that's where you're going to develop. Yeah, and it seems like, so Utah's making progress. We're with, with the Dursos and, and their West Coast Renegades program being, I, I think they're committed, and I think it's for the right reasons, and I, I think that they're bringing in good coaches, and now... As, as we were talking about, Jordan Freezy's involved with that. I think Evan's in town more, and Evan's going to be he's, – he's helping out here and there with outliers. And, and Are you helping out with West Coast? Yeah, they're U16 team. All right. So, nice. So, nice. so we're getting guys that have played and that have, have been away, and, and so I think we're getting more options, but forever. And I joke around about it, but when I first – I put a Facebook post out when we first knew we were going to get this podcast, I'm like, what should we name a Utah hockey podcast? And Adam Bartholomew said – uh, you should name it the Road to Colorado, <laughs> because that was our thing, right? That's if you if you look at our players that have gotten out of here, and, and including Mason Manick, you know Manick's the most recent one, but yeah, uh, it, it goes back to both the uh, uh, Truscott had to play there, and Trevor Lewis played in Colorado. Oh, um, Nick Holleran. Yeah, the both um, Hollerans. I think both Hollerans yeah, played yeah. in Colorado. So, um, so what's funny with Holleran? You know, he played on our fifteen team. I cut him from our 16 team, which was probably a huge mistake because he would have helped us the second half of the year. But he's a young man. It actually worked for him, right? Because so I cut him because we were loaded that year with players. And so he went to the Rampage, which was great. Uh, and even Frank Sertor and I talked about it. I think we helped, it helped take his game to the next level and be responsible on certain other areas of his game. And he's a heck of a player now. And just, like, even getting cut from us after playing for the Thunderbirds for one year, he found a great home at the Rampage, really became a heck of a player. And now he's, you know, one of the top offensive threats in college hockey, I think, in his junior year. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty neat to see a guy like that because he, he stuck with it. And even though he got, you know, after he played on our 15 team, he got cut from the 16 team, but still persevered and, and came through. And it, I think it teaches the guys a lot about that. Yeah, for sure. And that's part of the maturity thing we wanted to talk about. Evan, when, so, Evan, you go from uh, Salt Lake, Wisconsin, and now you're in, you played in the, what was the first league you were in, junior league? Uh, it was the America West Hockey League, which they banded with the North American League, and then now I think the teams that I played on and against in Montana and maybe the NA three. I'm not sure if, if any of them ever are around anymore. Right. But. So that that was that was a stepping stone. But between that as a young man and then uh, your first year in the USHL, did you struggle with home with being homesick? Did you see other guys that maybe had the talent but didn't have the mental stability to stay with you? Um, on my America West team, everyone else was older, pretty much 18, 19, like the standard thing. So I was the only one there. And then when I went to Des Moines in the USHL, um, 
I think they maybe did some homework and picked guys that they that weren't going to be an issue and weren't going to be a problem because no one, everyone did good in school. Everyone ended up going playing Division One, and it's just I don't. It's just I never really ran into people that had a hard time on my teams with that. So Angelo, how do you how do you vet this out? How are you able to? Uh, bring a player in and say, man, this kid has talent. Now, do you is, do you have a questionnaire? Do you talk to their family? Have you ever had a have you ever, have you ever had a player that you knew that their family was going to be the issue? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, I would say the issue just more concerns because they're sending away their 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 child at an age where, and I you know, and I think age is important too. Like I, even if you're stuck at 14, unless there's absolutely nothing there, I don't think you need to leave home until 15. But I could see some kids leaving home at 14. But I do understand, like, at 15s, it's a, it's a necessity now uh, in terms of if you're good enough to play against great competition. But I think, I mean, questionnaires, yeah, we, we have stuff they fill out. But the most important thing to me is when you sit face-to-face with the family and the kid. And they, like, we have a – Kim Fino handles all of our, our housing stuff and billeting. So we make sure the mom and the dad are comfortable with her, talk to her about, you know, any special, you know – needs or stuff that the kids may have in terms of, you know, their diet or different things like that because, you know, like there's one kid we had, to, it's just weird, right? You couldn't have peanuts at all. And, and so this one, he couldn't go to this one house because the kids, they just had a lot of peanut butter. <laughs> like, I, it was just weird. Like, you learn, you learn different things, right? Yeah. Because, and so you learn about, like, little things like that, how to handle it. And, um, or obviously they have, like, you know, the children. And, and also you don't want to put teenage boys or teenage girls in houses. There's, like, little right. things you look at. Um, so there's just a lot of things. And, and Kim Fino does a great vetting process with all that. And so I think what's it's funny. Like, I'll talk to the, the player, and the dad will be excited, but then you got to get over the hurdle with the mom a lot of times. And usually Kim comes in and talks to her and, and as a family to make an educated decision if this is the right move. So I, it's a process, and, and it's never easy. I didn't, and when I grew up, I didn't literally, you didn't need to leave home, though. I was from Chicago. I am from Chicago, and, and I left home at you know my senior year in high school to play in the USHL, and that's usually when people are used to leave. Now it's like they're leaving at 15, 16 years old, um, if you're really good, 16 years old. So, um, you know, I left as a senior. Most guys sometimes leave as sophomores now and, and stuff, so it just depends, but... And, and also, you didn't have guys committing at 15, 16, 17 years old. They used to, I mean, no one committed to almost until they were like halfway through their senior year and, and after, and, and, right. you know, in junior hockey in those days. So it has changed a lot. Um, but but I think, you know, the most important thing is, is the young man, the player's got to feel comfortable with the players, with the coach, um, with, with the, the living arrangements. There's a lot of than just playing hockey. Because if you put a young man, no matter how talented he is, on even the best team, He's in a poor living condition. If, if he's a poor academic, thing, you know, if you if you put him with a host family that lives an hour away from the rink every day, that's not going to be very conducive to success to a new kid dealing with academics and sitting in a car two hours a day. So there's a lot of things I think you look at. Um, and you know, another thing I I've learned over the years, and it's hard to take kids from. We get some kids from Minnesota and stuff like that, but it's hard to take kids from extreme to East Coast stuff. And not that we wouldn't want any ever. But uh, it's it's funny. You get the quality of just the, the, where you grew up in your environment. Like in Colorado, it's always sunny, right? So when guys are in Colorado and then they go out east, a lot of them like to come back because they're they're like, "Where's the sun?" You know what I mean? It's just different <laughs> yeah. living. It's just funny living in. So you got to deal with those type of things too, and and you just learn a lot about um, you know finding the right situation. Have we have we been wrong? Have we been incorrect? Absolutely. Have we had to change billets? Have we had to let 
you know, kids maybe uh, maybe they decide to go back home or go to another program within the year. Yes, it's happened. But I think, you know, you're, no one's ever perfect in any of these situations, but you try to do the best you can to vet the process and make sure you find the right home and the right team for the young man. Yeah, and sometimes people just don't know what they're getting themselves into either, and you don't know, like, a, a couple examples for me is with, you know, I say it all the time, people probably get sick of hearing it, but my daughter's at West Point. And West, right. West Point was not an easy uh, decision to make, and it definitely was not an easy school to get into. And West Point has a couple stages where they know they're going to lose a lot of students. And, and right, the, right. the first one is obviously, because if you get into West Point, you have to go through basic training first. And basic training ha- you know, has always weeded some people out, and it's, it's hard, and it's, it is what it is. And that weeds some guys out. But the second part that weeds people out is the first Christmas break. And keep in mind, so out of the 20,000 applicants or whatever, only 1,200 total students can get in. And they know that at Christmas time, they're going to lose 50 to 100 students that come home and see what home life is still like and see their friends that are also in college and don't have to, you know, wake up every morning at 5.30 a.m. and be in formation and do all this army stuff. And they're like, you know what, my friends, I like what my friends are doing, which is nothing, or going to college for four hours a day. So they know at that point they're going to lose a bunch of students. And I can see if you're a hockey player. I I also had a kid. So for a few years, I would go around and I would help um, find players from here, and I would send video or whatever to J.P. Parisi at Shattuck. And then we would pull, right. and then I would do the recruiting part here. And uh, one of the players I had, we we did it. We we went through everything and we got him in. He was a great fit. He got there. His mom goes to visit, goes into his dorm and is cleaning up and finds that oh he's got Playboy magazine. Oh. You know he's got Playboy magazine or one of the kids had it under their beds or whatever. And now she thinks Shattuck is the worst place in the world. And so now she wants him out of prep school and she pulls him out because literally because of that and i'm like it doesn't matter where you send a kid there are going to be those things she she thought because you know in her mind here in utah there was never a negative influence in this kid's life this kid turned out to be a college hockey player by the way so he came out and had to restart he ended up in the british columbia league and then uh, right. Actually, had a great college career. So, but it's, it's just one of those things where you never know what obstacles you're going to come across, and you these kids think they're ready. Or another thing that you you've probably had to have seen this is the kids ready, the parents are 100 percent ready, but the kid doesn't really have the drive or the desire. Oh, yeah. he, like he doesn't want to leave home. He wants to just play hockey with his friends and. Uh, you know, that's as far as he wants to go, but his dad sees the NHL on the other side of the board. No, absolutely. I mean, that's – the kid's got and, – and you can vet those pretty soon or you know pretty quickly uh, within a, you know, a few weeks of the season if, if that kid's going to even survive it. Um, we don't, we've had kids, you know, leave within a few weeks. But usually, you know, knock on wood, we've been pretty good. You know, I've been – I've been doing this for 23 years now and, um, you know, coaching AAA since 2002. So, um, oh. and, and, you know, so, yeah, so it's, it's you know, it, it, I've seen a lot and I've seen the times change where, and part of the issue too, I see, and I should say it's an issue, but it's great for the kids to give them opportunities, but we have too many teams in Colorado. We should have three max tier one organizations. We have four. We had five. Now we're down to four, which is good. Um, we should be at three. And what happens is, 
it just even allows our state to take outside kids that, or even in-state kids that shouldn't even be playing tier one. And so it just has a residual impact on everything too. So I think the landscape needs to be correct. So the, the, the player man or woman, because even the boy or girl, now we have a girls program too, Team Colorado, and they take out of town girls too. So, I mean, it's, you got to be in the right situation and it's hard to say. And to me, it's all about a comfort level with your head coach, with the players and then with the host family and your, and that, and, those are the three, you know, the triangles are the trigger points to me. You know, if you're good with the coach, if you feel good with the team, and if you have a good host family, those three connect usually in the middle. You have your parents, you have your, you know, all your support staff, and it usually works out then. Uh, but but they got to be, they all got to be on the same page. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought... There are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I I would like, what what would your advice be to, I've got, I guarantee there are moms and dads listening right now that are weighing these options. That know their their kid is is there. What what are you going to tell them that? Okay, these are the things to look for to see if your kid's actually ready to go. Well, well the first thing I would say is it's most important that you visit where you want to potentially play. Don't just go somewhere without visiting. It's just like in college, usually, right? You go on a recruiting visit, or if you're playing in a junior, you're not going to CHL. You're going to go visit Kelowna or or whoever drafted you or, or signed you or whatever it might be. You're going to visit and see if you're even comfortable living there. So I think. That's the most important thing uh, to me is, is, you know, have your mom or dad or, or, or the child go with you. Do some research. Make sure the team's competitive. The coach is good. The coach moves players on, doesn't hold players back. Uh, make sure they're in a competitive schedule. They have a competitive schedule. Check out their, um, you know, how much, how much on-ice practice and off-ice training they do. Do they do video work? So, I mean, there's a lot of factors looking at what's the school district like you'd be living in. Is it a good school? Um, are they good with kids that miss school because AAA hockey? You do miss a lot of school, um, so I think there's you know those are the things you should look at when when you're evaluating is it the right move. And after all that, I would never recommend unless 100 percent sure this is what you want to do. After you visit one place, you make a team. If the team gives you 24 hours or 12 hours or two days, take that time, go back, fill out a list of pros and cons of both sides, staying, going, playing for this organization over this organization. To me, it usually puts itself on the, you know right in front of your face once you write stuff down and digest it. Yeah. Um, you know, I always tell my players, you know, you want to play with emotion, but don't play emotionally. So don't make a decision out of emotion. Think through it. You know what I mean? You want to have emotion within your decision, but don't make an emotional decision. Does that make sense? So you want to you want to have some passion about something, but don't think you know this is what you have to do. The first option. Maybe you have a second option that might be better. And, and and where does the coach see you on your depth chart? I know. Like, I'm never going to promise a kid, but I'm going to tell him, you know, this is where I'd see him. Um, and, you know, it's funny. You talk about Parisi, and you know what amazes me about Zach? Is, and, I, you know, I'll tell the story all the time to players that Zach and I were sitting at uh, Shattuck one summer. We were doing a, some skill stuff at a camp there, and um, we were just in the cafeteria. And I asked Zach why he chose uh, North Dakota over Minnesota. And he goes, you know, obviously, you know, both places are phenomenal places to play college hockey. But he said what I like what North Dakota said to me and Dean Blaze. He said, they didn't promise me anything. He said, I had the opportunity. I had to go there and prove myself. 
and I felt that to me that's because he's a work ethic guy. Like he puts the work in Zach, and and to me that's what sold me. Like it was amazing to hear that when you know a lot of organizations. I don't know if Minnesota did it, but they can promise kids like you're going to be first power play, you're going to be this, you're going to be that. Dean Blaze didn't promise Zach anything. He just said, and that's what urged me to go there and felt the right situation was for me just because I knew I had to earn everything I got. And, um, I mean, obviously he was confident in his abilities right. and it paid off for him. But, I mean, that to me that's just an amazing young man and a mature young man. But J.P. raised his boys that way. And, I mean, they, they you know, it's, it's uh, you know, God rest his soul, he's an amazing human being. He, he did, uh, he just, it was pretty neat to hear Zach tell that story. And he told a little more in depth, but just the gist of it, you know, oh, yeah. nothing was promised to me. I had to get go earn it. And, and that was that's what a lot of us forget about. We want everything handed to us, these young men, and, you know, for this and that. But I'm, I'm in this, you know, with working with these guys now at the NHL level, and you should see the work they put in. Like, it is that with their body before practice, after practice. Uh, you know, we got here today at 10 o'clock. I worked with three guys before practice. Then I had like another nine guys after practice. And now they're all waiters, and we play tomorrow. And so it's just it's amazing to see the commitment. You know, people can say, yes, this and that. They get paid millions of dollars and blah. All that's true, but you still have to, you have to do the right things to, to get another contract, to get an opportunity. And, and it's pretty neat to see firsthand day in and day out the way a Claude Giroux carries himself, you know, the way guys like that take care of Michigan. And what an amazing defenseman and just a professional he is. Yeah, well, and that's, that's one of the things. And people, people mention it. They talk about it. They're like, man, the NHL is so much faster. And the, these kids are so much uh, stronger. And the hits seem like they're more devastating now. And I don't understand how hockey's changed. And, and that's how it's changed. Is these oh, kids, the the work these guys put in and the uh, I I skated uh, yesterday morning I was with the Utah Grizzlies and just being in the locker room and seeing the I, this is my twentieth year and seeing right. seeing the transformation and, and seeing these kids now man they come in and they are built oh and yeah oh yeah they get they're on the ready. they get on the ice and they're not just skating laps shooting pucks in the net they're doing you know duck walks and and you know or mohawks or whatever you call them and right, they're, right. they're working on stick handling in a phone booth and, and i was lucky enough to see a little bit of the training that uh claude lemieux did with like with austin matthews and with his kid and, right, and evan right. you you saw some of that too i mean mm-hmm. claude lemieux had had stuff here too where he'd run those camps and you're watching these drills that he's running the kids through and you're like man these that's like su- I, I superhuman at, stuff. I worked, at two, I worked at two years in a row with uh, Mark Siaccio and I. Oh yeah, um, we did it. We did it in Park City um, with Claude Demieux. I think it was two years, maybe one. I can't remember what it was. So long ago. Yeah, it was great. Actually, it was at, in we. Well, the one I did there was in Park City. It was it was pretty cool with Brendan, his son, and yeah. I don't know if Austin was there. I can't remember, um, but it was. Uh, yeah, no, it's. And what's amazing to me is you, when you work with these guys, they're like the skill of the fourth line is insane compared to what it used to be. Right. They can all skate. They can all like. I mean, it's just amazing to look at some of these guys and realize they're fourth line players now are not even in the lineup, but they're skilled as hell and, and can skate. Um, but it also shows to tell you, like, you know, there's still roles for the to grinder guy too. The guy like uh, we signed a Chris Stewart, the Flyers did. Oh yeah. And, um, you know he's. He played in England last year, but he worked his way. He just he has a role on this team, and he understands it. And um, you know, it's great to see him at 32, 33 years old. Because I talked to him today. I actually worked with him before practice, and he said, "Stewie, is it hard? Because we're rolling right now, so they kept the same lineup. You know, the past four or five games, whatever it's been." And he's like, "You know, Angelo, I just got to be ready. You know, I, I I know through eighty-two games, I'm going to get my opportunities." And you know, just his attitude was refreshing instead of pouting about it. He put in the work and still to be ready when his numbers called. And that's. 
a lot of people don't understand that. That's the, that's the hardest part, too, the mental side, to prepare yourself even when you're not in the lineup. Right. And that's, I mean, that's also one of those qualities that you want these kids to have that we're, we're deciding if, is it, are they going to have the right mentality? Are they going to have that Zach Preezy mentality to, right. to know right. that they need to earn it? I remember JP telling Zach, so when Zach first got drafted, and this was before the, the first lockout, Zach got like $1.3 million up front, and he got right, right, $1.3 right. a year for four years. And then they ended up changing that and took money away from him, which was crazy. But uh, when he first got that contract, I remember JP telling him, like, hey, uh, you're not going out and buying – I can't do a French, French accent. I can't impersonate JP. But he's like, hey, you're not going to go out and buy a Cadillac Escalade and show up to work – you know, show up to the rink the first day with – you're going to – you're going to go buy something because you haven't earned any of that money yet. I don't care what you did in college and juniors. You got to go work and earn it now, and you got to earn he it. Got like an F one fifty, didn't he? Like a he pickup got, truck. He got something. a Chevy yeah. Colorado. That was, yeah, yeah, I couldn't remember. It was like a, remember, yeah. it was two years old. And I was, I, I just remember, I tell that story to a lot of kids every year in my hockey camps here. I'm like, this is this is what he did because he he. You hadn't earned it yet. There are other guys that show up right. here. You know, first round draft picks show up here, and when we were the Dallas Stars. AHL Farm Club, they show right. up in their you know eighty thousand dollar car with their ten thousand dollar spinners, right. and it's like <laughs> I'm not pulling, I'm not counting, I'm not putting anybody out. Evan starts laughing because he knows who I'm talking about. But uh, you know these guys show up, but in the eyes of their teammates, in the eyes of their coaches, they haven't earned that yet. But a guy that's like you know what I've chose, I chose one college over another because they didn't promise me anything. I had to go in and work for it. That's those are guys that I mean that's that's quality well, guys. Those are those are the guys you want. Oh yeah. To, that's the type of guy you want to build your team around. That's the type of guy you want. You know, that's the, that's hopefully what your son. That's what I hope my son would be. That's yeah. I mean, that's what you want in life. So yeah, I, character. I mean, you want character, character yeah. players, and, and and that's and it's funny you said that because what's funny is after that year when he signed the contract, I asked JP. He goes, "You believe this guy?" We went to buy his cell phone, and Zach made me pay for it. I go, you just signed for a million dollars. You should buy your own cell phone. Because <laughs> I'm still paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's Zach. Zach was very tight with the purse strings till he got married. That was when, that's when she starts. Actually, yeah. That was pretty funny. But, yeah, I, I remember the same thing. Like, he uh, he made Jordan buy his own cereal to bring over to eat when they were training. Because Zach, <laughs> Zach wouldn't stock the cupboards for him. So, he's like, yeah, you, you're coming over to eat. You bring your own food. I know that's funny, but, but uh, yeah, but the, the work ethic too. I mean, that's as you know, if you don't have the drive to get better every, it doesn't matter what environment you're in. And and, and and like one thing we try to tell these parents too, like when we go on the road, they have study hall. We collect their phones, their iPads at night. I mean, we make sure that they're there for hockey and getting their their you know academics done. This isn't like just a vacation. And uh, you're here to play hockey. You're here to get your studies done. You're here to stay dialed in. Your sleep, your nutrition. So. There's a lot of things that these kids that really want to buy into it can really accelerate it. And so when they do go to juniors, they're prepared for it. They're prepared from living away from home. They're prepared for doing laundry, maybe helping cook their own meals at times, like little things like that. I think that's what AAA hockey does help when they have to leave, preparing for too, the next level of hockey too. Yeah, that's one of the things. It's it's totally different now, and that's uh, it, it's hard as as a parent because if you grew up playing a certain way and you don't realize that it's changed and you're like oh i'm doing what what worked for me i'm teaching my kid what worked for me you don't realize that hey just because it worked for you 20 years ago and got you to the ushl or or whatever league you know a lot of the parents around here think they know 
and they didn't play anywhere. So they didn't even have anything that worked for them. But they think, all right, based on what I read this book from 20 years ago, this is how I'm going to raise my kid and any coach that tells me otherwise. And Jordan was just saying the same thing yesterday. We were talking about he wants to blow some things up here in hockey and change, completely change the mindset. Because you've got parents that are like, ah, oh, well, my son can't make practice today because today's a ski day. Or, you know, and he's like, I get that you want to have fun and I get that, you know, he's coaching in Park City and I get that. But, man, if you're, com- if, if you're here, be committed to it. Come to every practice. Come with the work ethic. Come knowing that, all right, your next step, you're going to be playing for Angelo in Colorado and they're not going to tolerate a ski day. You're not going to miss practice for that. That's going to, that'll end your time on the team. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, no, it will. I mean, you're right. I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, the hardest, the hardest thing, too, is, is as you, I mean, when you went away from home or whenever went away, don't you find the self-discipline, too? What I started is the beginning of the season, right? Like, until you get in the grind of the practice and the game and the travel, sometimes you get there and it's just academics for the first couple of weeks. Like, to me, that's where the homesick kicks in for these families, too, for the young men and women. Is that you know they're they're not in a comfortable environment, right? And so it just it could it could snowball one way or the other. You know what I'm saying? And hopefully these kids um, do the right thing and have the right the right support system. And and I think I mean, do kids reach out to you still, Jay? Like that have left Utah and and, and I mean, do you check in on how you're doing? You know, you're probably still a mentor to them and helping them get through the process. Sometimes I would assume. Yeah, absolutely. And and man, I I. I enjoy that i love being able to catch up with them and give them little t- you know i didn't make it that far so I, I have advice on what worked again what worked for me but i love these kids that do still check in and and over the man it's been 20 years that i've been doing this now and there have been a lot of kids that have that have gone out and they do reach out and, and i love being able to help them at that point too and then you're still part of the process right like for me i get right. i get experience learning from what they're going through and trying to think my way through it as an adult I think I'm a. I, most people would call me an adult. I'm a well, maybe, but anyway, I, <laughs> you know, like I've, I've, I think after all these years, I've learned enough through watching these kids go through steps and watching some kids make mistakes and learning from. And again, like I said, with that parent with Shattuck, I, I learned from then on out. I told parents up front, hey, they're going to be sub- subjected to some stuff, right? So I've learned a little bit, and yeah, they reach out and and when they're homesick. And for me, I remember like. I never got homesick until my first year of junior college, so I'd already been through junior hockey, which was fine. But it's funny you brought up the academic part because you get to junior college and you start school before we started hockey, and then like a couple weeks in, they're like, "Okay, now you're going to start doing this stuff." And I'm in the middle. Like I went, I went to Botno, North Dakota, which was horrible. And you talk about <laughs> talk about visiting a place before you pick it to go. I did not visit that place. I just went because that. Like, I had the great opportunity. If I would have visited it first, there's no way I would have gone there. But I ended up loving it. But, man, not having the entire team there at first and and not knowing anybody and not knowing how to meet anybody, and you're in this strange place where it's just I was the only kid from Utah there. And it's like, all right, so I got a little bit homesick, which was really weird for me because I, at first I had no issues leaving. But, man, the minute hockey started, the, here's here's 22 new friends. And then they knew somebody else on campus, and and that started that steamrolled, and that became my home. But before that, when it was just trying to figure out how to do college, I was that's when I was like, man, I'm not going to make it here. That's kind of part of the process too. For me, <laughs> right, I, I right. remember like my so when I was a junior, my first year completely away. That first semester was tough, but you kind of learn 
what works, what doesn't work. And then once again, having some older guys, they kind of helped, you know, well, maybe try this, don't do that. And it's, it just was, that was part of the big learning experience that's kind of helped me, you know, something that I learned then to kind of continue on and keep going. And I mean, that was just, that was one thing that really sticks out to me that I still use today that probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for hockey and being thrust into that situation. And then when you got older, where did you turn around and see guys come in the program and be like, this guy needs my help? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you never want to see someone struggle, especially if they're, you know, it's their first first year away or whatever. If, you know, you've gone through that and if you can help someone um, get through that and then hopefully that, you know, it's a snowball effect. So it just kind of builds on the, the strength of the program and the strength of the, the people that you're with and working with. And it just, it all works out for everyone in the end. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Angela, you have been a phenomenal guest. Like this has been exactly what I think the parents here need to hear. You know, need to understand as they're getting because we still. I mean, we're still sending kids off to Colorado all the time, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I literally, well, I get a ton of emails based on this show, and that's what I get more than anything is is moms wondering what I know about the next step and whether that's you know leaving home or finding a better team or whatever so i thought i i, I just knew you'd be a the expert yeah it, and as you well i don't know about that i just think it's experience right from a player to doing the director and coaching now for 23 years you just learn a lot and, and um we've made this wrong decisions and, and bad decisions too but but i think parents as you know and you've heard the phrase a million times this whole process is not a sprint take your time I mean, just like when you train for a marathon, you go through the process. This is the process. Don't rush things. Usually, find players we've told that are really good hockey players who've left and gone to, say, maybe the USHL or WHL, and they've all come back and said, you know what, I wasn't ready. Probably should have waited another year. And it's the same thing for kids leaving sometimes. You might not be ready. Don't rush the process. Make sure it's the right situation and you're comfortable with everything, all your surroundings, and then you can make that step because I think – there's a lot of due diligence that needs to be done by you and the team you're looking at in order to take that move. So if a kid does make that move too soon and ends up coming home, does that ruin their opportunity or does that just make them more ready no, the next no, year? I, yeah, I think and you could also learn a lot from there. And I, but I do think, um, you know, it obviously could throw, it's tough to schooling and stuff like that. It could throw things off. But, I mean, kids usually recover fine. But I, I think it doesn't really uh, – you know, as long as you have the drive to continue to get better and develop and, and maybe your areas that maybe why you didn't make that team or, or left that team, maybe you just weren't – maybe your skills were there, but your maturity wasn't there and you weren't ready to move away from home. So another year at home will definitely do you well, you know, and do you good to learn and grow up and mature. Or maybe you felt like you went there and your skills weren't up to par, so you need to go home and play more and get more touches and get the – you know, playing in critical situations. That's going to allow you to grow and develop for the next year. So, yeah, I think it works both ways. And sometimes kids just – they never leave again after that because they just feel like this isn't what I want to do. So you find out all those scenarios once uh, you're in this long enough and you see different players. But don't go somewhere just to go to a program to say you're AAA when you could play AA or, or you know, maybe in your backyard or even AAA backyard if, if it's if, unless you're absolutely in the right situation. I mean, there's organizations, not just in Colorado, but around the country, where they take kids to fill spots. And yeah. Don't be one of those fill. Don't be a filler, man. You yeah, know, don't be a filler. I've I've seen it, and unfortunately, I've been there. I've seen it, you're a budget filler. Like they need, because you know they scholarship the first two or three kids, right. and they and then they need that other kid because his check will clear. 
more than they need his, <laughs> his skill. And that's not fair to the kid. That's not fair to the parents. That's not no. fair to the team. You're absolutely right. Yeah, no, it's it's a tough, uh, it's tough, and and um, yeah. So I, I just look into all that and make sure you're, you know, and obviously you can handle. But I, if anyone ever has questions, you're more than welcome to, you know, they can reach out through email to me or something, and, and I could definitely help, um, you know. But but I think you guys have it covered. You sounds like you have a, you know, good knowledge about obviously everything in the process, and I think that's the most important thing. Those people need to lean on you guys to to help them, you know, make those decisions. Oh, I appreciate that. So Evan, before we wrap up, you got more you want to add? Uh, no, it's just interesting to hear as I kind of, I'm in the, the slow transition into kind of more of this type of stuff. So it was interesting to hear your perspective on the other end of it after going through all of it. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. And I, I enjoy it. So anytime you want to talk hockey, you know, just let me know. Well, we're definitely going to have you on the show again soon, Angelo. Uh, Evan, Angelo, thank you guys so yep. much for being on the show. To be here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. All right, that was the Utah Puck Report. Thank you so much for listening. The Utah Puck Report is a kslsports.com podcast. And uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, then you can. All you got to do is text the word puck to 57500. And you can also uh, catch us online too at kslsports.com and right there at the Arrow website, 1035theArrow.com. That's awesome. And uh, we want to thank Josh Tilton, our producer. He's the one that keeps us in line, keeps the things rolling. And he doesn't roll tape, as you would say. He does not. But uh, he does he does produce the show in all the digital ways. So once again, thank you so much for listening to the Utah Puck Report. Yeah,